David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with David Spada and Elliot Harris. David has found another pair of great guests for our show, two Pro Football Hall of Famers, Tom Mack, the former offensive guard for the Los Angeles Rams, and Dave Wilcox, the former linebacker with the San Francisco 49ers. First up, number 65, Tom Mack. I see you went to Michigan. So was Bo Schembechler recruiting you back then? <laughs> I, I'm older than you think. Uh, my coach was Bump Elliott, who ended up for years as the athletic director at Iowa after he left Michigan. So you were at the end of Bump's uh, tenure at Michigan then? Well, I think I was uh, kind of in the middle of it. Uh, the early 60s, uh, we kind of went from uh, last place to uh, winning the Big Ten, and then we got to go to the Rose Bowl my junior year, and we uh, won the Rose Bowl, beat Oregon State. I think actually it's the last time they've ever been there. You were the first in a long line of great Michigan linemen. What made Michigan so good with the offensive linemen? Well, uh, back in our day, it was obviously, uh, we had a very, very strong and, uh, very uh, consistent running game. Uh, and I, although I played tackle, uh, I was, uh, probably fast as uh, I had been an end, and I was probably as fast as any lineman around there. And they seemed, uh, Michigan seemed to be able to recruit uh, over the years, uh, good linemen that were uh, big, but also uh, were very agile, and I would attribute most of that to the running game. Certainly, uh, Bo, uh, after Bump, uh, had a very strong running game also. What was Coach Elliott like to play for? Uh, probably uh, one of the classiest people, uh, both on and off the field, that I've ever run into. Uh, he was really a true gentleman. Uh, interestingly enough, as was his brother, who uh, ended up being the director of the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, in later years. Pete just passed away this last year. But um, the two of them had played at Michigan in the late 40s on championship teams, and they were just uh, really, really classy people. You were from Ohio originally. How did Ohio State miss out on you? <laughs> well, I guess suffice to say that uh, I wasn't exactly a star uh, high school athlete. Uh, probably my best sport, uh, interestingly enough, was swimming, uh, not football. And uh, I had a chance to go um, to a number of schools on swimming scholarship. Uh, Michigan was one of the few uh, because of a two things. My swim coach had been a Michigan alum, and uh, he got a hold of some uh, local, uh, I guess, uh, alumni recruiters who uh, really helped sell Michigan on the idea that I was going to mature uh, probably later in life rather than earlier in life. Um, And I actually, between the time I went to college and I ended up uh, getting out of school, I gained about 50 pounds of uh, real good weight, and I still had all the speed I had. 
So um, they were right about me uh, maturing late, so to speak. What was like? What was it like playing in the Rose Bowl? Uh, probably, at least at that time, um, it was one of those things when you grew up in the Midwest. Uh, your family kind of sat around on New Year's Day, and there were three or four games you watched. That was all that was on. But the biggest of them all was the Rose Bowl, and I can remember uh, G watching uh, Minnesota and uh, watching uh, Wisconsin. Uh, different teams and going, wow, wouldn't it, that be something just to even get to chance to play in that thing? Uh, when I got to play there, it turned out to be uh, a bigger deal than uh, I probably realized. Maybe the most interesting thing, I I met a girl on a blind date in Pasadena while we were there, and uh, 47 years later, she's still my wife. <laughs> so was she, was it was she, pretty, pretty eventful. Was she the queen of the parade? No, no, no. She was just uh, a young lady who had gone to Cal, and uh, she was transferring to UCLA, and she was uh, putting herself through uh, junior college, Pasadena City College at the time. I just honestly met her on a blind date. That's great. Because if you're a USC quarterback or an Alabama quarterback, you end up with the queen of the parade usually. <laughs> you're right. But uh, that was a bad year. There weren't too many pretty girls that were queens uh, or princesses. But I found a good one, so I'm happy. She's your queen. Yeah. When you got drafted by the Rams, the second pick in the draft, that's extremely high for an offensive lineman. Were you surprised or you had an idea you were going to go high? Well, um, interestingly, that was the last year there were two leagues, an AFL and an NFL, and uh, they actually competed uh, so vigorously against each other that uh, Miami in the uh, AFL, it was a new team, and they had actually uh, gone to my parents' house and I tried to convince my parents uh, to uh, get me to sign with the AFL instead of the NFL. And then I had uh, a bunch of people following me around uh, trying to get me to go with them. and uh, So it was pretty obvious that I was going to get drafted uh, fairly high. Uh, the Rams, uh, interestingly enough, partly because of the fact that I had this girlfriend in California, uh, turned out to be the perfect team. They were also, uh, at the time I got drafted, which was actually the draft was the end of November, uh, right by Thanksgiving. Um, it was... Uh, Coincidental that uh, the Rams at that point were the last place team in the NFL, so they had the uh, first pick. The only team that picked ahead of them was Atlanta, which was an expansion draft. So um, I was I was obviously uh, uh, pretty lucky to be in that position. I think the most interesting thing is I was not a an All American or anything like that. I made one second team All American team, but that was as close as I got to any kind of notoriety. So. Uh, it really was a big surprise when people heard my name. They're all looking around, going, "Who the hell's he?" <laughs> yeah, because there was no real combines back then. I was just basically watching films, and if you weren't an all-American, you kind of got lost usually. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, that year, Mike Garrett won the uh, Heisman Trophy from SC. I think first in a long line of backs that uh, have won the thing out of SC. But uh, I have a, a headline in an old scrapbook. It says uh, Rams draft Mike because they drafted him in the second round. Comma guy named Mac, and then it goes did 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 who with a big question mark. <laughs> and it's a it's an interesting article because nobody knows who the hell I am, and they're and they're they're going well. They wasted their first draft choice on this guy. He better turn out to be good. 
So I'm, I'm glad it turned out uh, both for them and for me. What was your first training camp like with the Rams? Um, it was interesting. It was, it was fairly brutal um, because coincidentally, George Allen came, uh, became the head coach uh, after I got drafted, but uh, before training camp. And he publicly made a very, very big point that he wasn't going to put up a lot of rookies. And he went out and uh, started acquiring people. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you remember, but Bill George was uh, the, the, another Hall of Famer uh, middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears. And uh, George talked him into uh, coming out to the Rams and uh, being the middle linebacker that first year. I mean, it was just absolutely fascinating. Uh, he had all kinds of old players. So at the beginning of the year, even though we had probably uh, 10 or 12 guys who had been draft choices, and all of us had gotten uh, – some kind of guaranteed money, uh, depending on how much it was, and you know, d- depending on the level. But uh, the Rams had spent a lot of money, and George put about 90% of those guys on the cap squad. Only four of us uh, started the season on the team, the actual roster. And by the end of the season, I was the only rookie that was uh, actually still on the team and playing. You were doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> well, timing is everything. You got to be in the right place at the right time. It was uh it was interesting because uh a group of offensive linemen kind of uh, begrudgingly adopted me about uh probably a third of the way through the season and I ended up playing with three of those guys another 9 years. So, uh it became a pretty close uh, group of guys, uh, four of us. Those practices had to be intense going against the uh, fearsome foursome there in Olsen and Youngblood. <laughs> no, it wasn't Olsen. Uh, I mean, it was Olsen, but it wasn't Youngblood. Uh, Jack's uh, actually uh, about six years younger than I am, uh, so he wasn't there. In fact, he wasn't even in college yet. Oh, I'm thinking of, was, uh, uh, what was it, Olsen? Was Greer still there, or did Greer retire? No, Rosie was the guy I practiced against on a daily basis, and that was a interesting uh, practice uh, all by itself. Uh Deacon was the uh, on the other side with Merlin, and a fellow named Lamar Lundy was the uh, defensive end, and that was the original fearsome foursome. Uh, that kind of got supplemented over the next few years. Uh, Rosie retired after he tore his Achilles tendon, and uh, Roger Brown played for a couple of years. Uh, and then, uh, then we started to move people around and... Uh, uh, it, it changed the complex a little bit, but we always had, the whole time I played, we had very, very good uh, defensive lines. Rosie said he taught Deacon the head slap. How many times did you get head slapped by Rosie? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a funny story because uh, nobody tells you uh, exactly uh, how you uh, protect yourself against that. So I got slapped uh, more than a few times, and uh, the coach, uh, when I asked him about it, he told me, he said, well, put your uh, put your arm up uh, with your hand high, kind of on an angle, and when he tries to slap you, it'll slip up over the top of your helmet. So I tried that, uh, honestly, in practice one day. I put my right hand up, and you know, sure enough, he didn't slap me with uh, on that side of the head. He slapped me on the other side of the head about nine inches silly. So I, I tried putting both hands up, uh, and then he uh, kind of used a rip maneuver and... Uh, came up underneath my arm and picked me up in the air, and we ran in and jumped on the quarterback together. So that didn't work very well either. Actually, over the years, you find out that 
the best way to uh, prevent a head slap when it was legal was to uh, let the guy slap you in the head, and while he's slapping you in the head, he's wide open to a hell of a punch in the ribs if you know what you're doing. So you just punch him in the ribs as hard as you can, and pretty soon he'll stop slapping you in the head. Those Ram teams, they had to be thrilling to play with all those guys. Like you said, Merlin, Deacon, you had Tommy McDonald, Roman Gabriel. You guys were loaded there with future Hall of Famers. It was, yeah, it was interesting because uh, uh, George uh, did have a mix of, of players, and he really did uh, serve us well in terms of going out and getting uh, veteran players that uh, – uh, helped us or could help us. He picked up, I don't know if you remember these names, with Maxie Bond. He got Jack Pardee to come back out of retirement. Right. Uh, he ended up with uh, Myron Patios from the Steelers. Uh, he got Richie Pettibone from the Bears. He had Jim Purnell from the Bears. Uh, it, it was just fascinating. He picked up um, Irv Cross, I think, had played with Philadelphia and... Um, it was just he he was an amazing guy because he really sold what he did is he found veteran players who who really still had they were playing on bad teams but they were still intense people and if he could get them to come to the Rams which he did and play uh, in that mix uh, he he really did develop uh, good teams he was an interesting guy because he was he was hard to work for as a as a coach because he he drive you nuts with all the first he was only interested in defense he he really didn't care what the offense did as long as we didn't turn over the ball which which sounds kind of silly but uh we had two jobs one was uh to turn over to hang on to the ball and not turn it over and the second thing was we were supposed to use 40 minutes out of the clock in any game by playing keep away from the other team the argument being that if they didn't have the ball uh, they couldn't score, so as long as we had the ball, whether we scored or not, at least we were keeping it away from them. Um, and he he would depend on uh, one or two uh, big plays, a break someplace that uh, either he'd get an interception or or we'd get uh, a good touchdown uh, after we worked our way down the field. So interesting guy. I know uh, Deacon Jones had a real love for him. He named one of his kids after uh, George Allen. <laughs> now, um, now, actually, I think it was the other way around. Deke ended up, uh, George ended up, actually, George is, I'm, I'm trying to think, cause he just talked about that. It was one of his, it's either one of his grandkids, uh, George's grandkids is named after Deacon. Oh, okay. Which is interesting. Yeah, but it's, uh, but George, George was very good to Deke, and, and Deke was, uh, uh, what he did was respond and, and become not just a good player, but he really became a great player, and he was very much a, a key leader on the team, uh, and that was also extremely important. So, without George, I don't think, uh, Deacon ever would have been the, uh, great player that he ended up becoming. Deacon said he was the greatest greatest defensive lineman of all time. Do you agree with him, or you think there was ones just as good? Deacon? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, to, to be a good defensive lineman, you got to believe in yourself, and Deke certainly uh, believes in himself. I, I really played against great uh, defensive tackles. Uh, and, and of course on our team, Merlin was a great defensive tackle, but, uh, I played against people like Bob Lilly and Alan Page. Uh, those are the guys in my mind that, uh, 
uh, were the greatest players that I that I experienced. Uh, I I always thought it was harder to become a a great player on the inside than on the outside. Did you ever go against um, Doug Atkins, or was Atkins pretty much done when you started playing? Nah, interestingly, uh, my rookie year, uh, we were playing the Bears. We played them uh, home and away. Uh, they were still just the Western Division. And uh, we were playing them in Chicago. And I was playing with Joe Carollo uh, with the tackle next to me. Joe was having a good game against uh, Doug. Doug was kind of, uh, I'll say, taking it easy, not really coming all that hard. And we ran a play that uh, was supposed to look a little bit like a, um, a sweep, but it was it, it was more of a uh, crosswalk thing. And I, I came up under Atkins, and I cut him and knocked him down. And he said a few uh, nasty things to me and called me some names and rookie and blah, blah, blah. So I told him where I thought he ought to go. I walked back to the huddle, and um, Carollos jumps all over me, and he says, what the hell are you doing? I'm having a good game because that guy's kind of asleep. I want you to go up there in the next play. After the play, apologize to him. I said, yeah, that's a true story. And I, I said, you got to be kidding. He says, no, I mean, if we get that guy awake, you know, we got a problem. I've got a problem. You've got a problem. We've all got a problem. So after the next play, I, I kind of went over. I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Atkins. I didn't mean to cut you. He says, ah, it's okay, kid. You know? <laughs> and, and, and like I said, that's a true story. And uh, he kind of went back to becoming the sleeping giant again. And uh, I just kept away from him. And, and Joe had a good game, the whole game. So you never knew with Doug. I mean, I, I saw him uh, when he was down in New Orleans, which clearly was after uh, you know the great period in his career, but he was still a uh, fearsome competitor when he wanted to be. He was just really an intimidating player. What was your biggest rival when you guys were playing? The Packers, Vikings, Cowboys, or just whoever you were playing that week? Um, well, you'd think the 49ers. We played them, including the exhibition games. I played the 49ers 38 times, but uh, we only lost about six games. Interestingly, we just seemed to have a a whammy on them that uh, really dominated. Probably the the two that that stick in my mind as uh, as the ones that were just brutal because uh, we beat them and then we end up losing a key game was the Vikings and the Cowboys. Both of them. Uh, I played in four championship games. And we lost them all, and they were we lost two to the Cowboys and two to the Vikings. So um, just kind of bitter, bitter. Uh, Frustration and disappointment, um, but they were great teams. Uh, so what are you going to do? The Vikings had the purple people eaters. You had the fearsome foursome. How did they compare against each other, and which one was better? You think which defensive line? I, I if I if I took the whole group, I'd tell you that, um, and and partly it was how they played against us, and we played against them. I thought that the Minnesota we could control their defensive line without uh, a whole hell of a lot of problem. They the only game that I remember where we had trouble, uh and it was one guy interestingly enough, because he's also a Hall of Famer, Bob Brown, was playing with us, uh, who had played for two years. Uh we picked him up from Philadelphia and he had trouble uh in a championship game with Carl Eller. But uh that is the only time that I saw that we really had any kind of uh, consistent trouble with their defensive line. The rest of the time, uh, I thought we handled them very, very well. On the other hand, I do not think that they handled uh, the Rams 
defensive line all that well. And that may be because I, I consider us probably one of the best offensive lines. This was when the, the four of us were playing together uh, over that period of 10 years, and, and we were very, very consistent. Um, the other guys, uh, Charlie Cowan, uh, Joe Shabelli, and Kenny Iman, um, unfortunately have all passed away. But uh, together, uh, they were quite a, quite an offensive line. And that Jack Youngblood, he was not too shabby when he joined you guys. Jack ended up becoming a very, very uh, good, uh, effective uh, defensive lineman. Um, and, and interestingly enough, in the 70s, uh, initially with Merlin, um, I would say that the defensive line that the Rams had that included Jack and Merlin and uh, a fellow named Larry Brooks and, um, and Fred Dreyer, ended up probably being as good as any defensive line in the league. Uh, I don't think they really continued to call them the fearsome foursome, but uh, whatever people thought of them, they were awful good, and they were uh, extremely quick, fast, agile, uh, which is honestly the way defensive lines today still work. The, The big change that's happened in the last 30, 40 years is instead of having uh, quick and agile uh, offensive lineman to block quick and agile defensive lineman. Now you have a huge offensive lineman, and it's more like sumo wrestling than it's probably like uh, blocking like we did. Yeah, because offensive linemen were the same size for years, and then in the last 15 years, if you're not 330 pounds, you're small. Yeah, it's uh, well, the, the difference is that, uh, you know, they, they basically will let you hold uh, on the inside, and it's not even. Uh, question. So what what you're doing is you instead of uh, blocking the guy and hitting him with your fist and knocking him backwards and making him restart a couple times, uh, what you do now is you put your hands out and you <laughs> grab his shirt and you pull him into you. And it's yeah, honestly it's like sumo wrestling. If you if you got your hands inside and you got a good grip on him, he can't get away from you. And you know he's going to sit there and struggle all day. And that's pretty much what happens. What was your favorite moment in professional football? That's hard to say. Uh, probably, uh, you know, we beat uh, we beat both the Cowboys um, in, in uh, key games in the playoffs. Uh, I think that was probably about as exciting uh, from my perspective because in both cases, uh, when I played the Cowboys and the, the Vikings, uh, I always had my hands full because I was playing either Bob Lilly or uh, Randy White or or I was playing uh, Alan Page. Uh, all three of those guys are in the Hall of Fame uh, with me, and they were uh, great defensive tackles. So any any day we beat one of those guys uh, was the kind of game that you remember. You went to 11 Pro Bowls. Did you end up getting a condo in Hawaii? You were there every year. Uh, well, you, you got to understand, I played in 11 Pro Bowls, and the year after I quit was the first year they went to Hawaii. Okay. Where, where, did, they, where did they play in back then? Well, the the first few games that I played in were in L.A. because that was uh, the warm weather uh, climate for the NFL. But then they got into rotating the games, so they moved them. Um, honestly, they moved them all over the country. We were in... Uh, and one game they played in Kansas City, and it was so brutal, the weather in Kansas City, that the, we spent a week practicing in San Diego and then flew to Kansas City just to play the game. Um, but we they, they played the game in uh, all kinds of different – we played in uh, 
<laughs> we played in uh, Dallas, Texas. Uh, I can remember it snowing there. Uh, we played in uh, Tampa. We played in Miami. Um, Jesus, I'm trying to think where else we played. Um, Players complain uh, about oh, New Orleans. We played in New Orleans. I mean, <laughs> you name it, and that's where they Seattle. They played a game up in Seattle. Yeah. Anyway, players complain about going to Hawaii. That it's so rough. Going to Kansas City and some of these towns, there'd be no one playing in those games. <laughs> well, it's it's a real different kind of thing. You know, the the, the deal back then was very much it was an honor uh, because the the way you got in it is you got picked by uh, basically the rival coaches, and the rival coaches would ask their players. Uh, besides uh, themselves, who the best at a certain position was, and that's you know, and it, well, it's interesting. I played in nine of them in a row. People say, well, once you get in, you always go. I played in nine in a row, then I missed one, and then I played in the last two a year, two years later, so or the next two years. So you know, I, I had a gap in the middle of uh, the eleven that I played in, and so it, it was clearly. You know, an honor to get to to get to be picked for one of those things. And you know, if you were on a good team, we'd have six or seven guys. Uh, when we were on bad teams, we only had two or three of us. I remember one year Merlin and I, and I think maybe Isaiah Robinson were the only three that got picked to uh, play in the darn thing because we did not had a great year. I think it was Tommy Prothero was the coach. When you went in the Hall of Fame, how did you feel? <laughs> well, uh, honestly. Uh, uh, yeah, a little bit overwhelmed by the fact. I mean, it's not uh, back in the day. Um, one, they didn't talk much about offensive linemen at all. Uh, much less uh, you listen to these guys, these announcers now, and they're picking kids in their second and third year and say, "Oh, that guy's a sure Hall of Famer." Well, I don't. I'd argue there isn't any sure Hall of Famers. Um, you know, if you're good enough, especially as a lineman, you've got to be good enough and consistent enough for a long enough period of time that uh, you're going to be the dominant person at that particular position and uh, over over a, you know whether it's a decade or whatever people remember the fact that you really were consistent and you were that good a player um, I actually got I was a finalist to get in the Hall of Fame like 11 times and I didn't get in so it was you know after a while, I got to the point where I became a little bit cynical about it. <laughs> but uh, I got in the last time, so as far as I'm concerned, that's as good as the first time. That's all people remember is who's in, not when you got in. Yeah. <laughs> I laugh, well, too, I, I too, with Brian Urlacher here in Chicago. They keep saying future Hall of Famer. He made six Pro Bowls. There's no guarantee there with him. Yeah, that's exactly right. People, you know, can you can argue the thing one way or the other. Um Honestly, um, it helps to be on good teams. It helps to to play with uh, other good players. Uh, you got to keep from getting hurt. I mean, one of the things that I did, I played in every game in 13 years, which is not that I'm tough, but it's probably more of a monumental tribute to stupidity <laughs> because you played hurt a lot. But uh, and I was able to do it. Erlocker is, if I remember right, he's missed a couple of years on and off, at least part of the years with injuries, hasn't he? He missed almost two full seasons during his career. Yeah, well, that, you know, so that makes it uh, much more difficult. I mean, I look back at, you know, um, the, the guy who was in the Bears 
in my generation was Dick Butkus. I played against him in college, and then I played against him with the Bears. And, you know, Dick was a tough guy. I don't think he ever missed a game. No, he his knees went, but he was phenomenal out there. Yep. They had two Hall of Famers on that team, and they won one game in 69 with Gale and him. Yep. Now, it's, uh, you know, it's crazy, crazy, uh, <laughs> crazy time. I, I think I, we didn't lose to the Bears. I, I, we might have lost in 66 one game, but I don't think I lost again to the Bears until hell, uh, about my second last year because I know they beat us when we were uh, trying to play Joe Namath as our quarterback, and, and Joe physically was done too. He, he just couldn't play anymore. I heard in that game they shot up his shoulder before the game and he couldn't even hold the football. Well, that I that I don't know, but I can tell you that um, physically he his legs were uh, not good, but but he also his arm wasn't any good that year, so you know he was pretty well done. Uh, but they they picked him up uh, always, hoping against hope that they were going to find the right formula. They kept changing quarterbacks on us. That, that probably hurt us more than helped us. Why did you retire in '78? I mean, you were still a Pro Bowl player. <laughs> well, um, back in the day, uh, just about everybody had a second career, um, and I had a second career. I worked for a very large engineering construction firm, a company called Bechtel, um, and I had worked for him nine years. And uh, the fellow in charge of the division that I was working for uh, uh, took me aside the year before um, I played my last season and said, um, you know, I was I was getting to the point where if I wanted a second career and the opportunity for advancement and whatnot, I was 35. Um, I really ought to think hard about uh, whether this was the last year I played and I wanted to um, get uh, get going on the second career. So I, I consciously made the decision before I started the season that this was the last year I was going to play because this was a good opportunity, and it was a good enough opportunity that I ended up working for them in the total for about 35 years. Um, so so I, I made that decision uh, going into that last year, and when I walked away, um, it was hard, but uh, one of the things I kind of learned from from watching the older players is once you quit, you got to get away from the game unless you're going to be a coach. Um, but hanging around, so to speak, is probably the worst thing you can do to yourself because then you're going to miss it more and more. And, and you, if you're not on the team, you really don't fit. Um, you're either there or you're out. So I uh, I made the decision and I walked away and, and I was out and I didn't really uh, uh, go around the team. I went back, uh, I guess they had one, one day because it was the last, last year they played in the Coliseum, so they... They invited all the, the retired players to come, and they had us all on the field uh, at the same time for one of the last games the Rams played there. But they did not have a particularly good season. I think they were 9-7 and seven or something like that. They just barely got in the playoffs. And lo and behold, um, they won both their playoff games, so they ended up in the Super Bowl, and they had a great Super Bowl. They almost well, they should have actually won the damn game, I thought. They, played the Pas- in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl and Merlin and I and our wives uh, we took our wives that's the only Super Bowl I've ever gone to in my life 
How did you avoid the acting uh, bug? All your uh, former teammates that seem like were actors. Fred Dreyer, Rosie <laughs> Greer, Merlin Olson, Jack Youngblood did yeah. tried it too. Yeah, no, I, uh, by degree, I'm an engineer and, uh, it just didn't, uh, it didn't, being an actor and being an engineer, probably, uh, uh, not the most compatible, uh, careers. So, so, uh, I got, I got to be a bit part player in a couple of movies that, uh, and TV shows and, and got a little taste of it and that was kind of about it. And, uh, you move on with your life, so to speak. <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> Who is the best actor out of all the Rams players? I, in my personal opinion, uh, Fred Dreyer, uh, was, was probably the very best. Uh, he became the, that show that he had, which I think was called Hunter. Right. Uh, he, he really ended up in a role that you didn't look at him and think of Fred Dreyer, the football player. You thought of him as Fred Dreyer, the cop or whatever he was. And um, that's what a good actor does. He sells sells himself completely into the role. I, I, Merlin was a dear, dear friend, but I always struggled because to me it was always Merlin acting. All right. Thank you to Tom Mack, and we will be back on Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com after this brief break. 